Hello, Stephen Dan Fouts here from Teach Different. We're veteran teachers from the United States, bringing educators together from around the world to learn a simple conversation method, which we model on this podcast for you. If you're a teacher, administrator, homeschooler, or parent who wants to use the power of conversations to build stronger relationships and fight polarization, stay tuned to hear the impact our method can have on your discussions. Then join our community of educators at teachdifferent.com for additional resources and to participate in lively conversations among teachers and faculty, free for 30 days. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Teach Different podcast. We have a brand new author today, James Clear, who is an American author and entrepreneur who has a, a very interesting quote that I'll read it in a moment. And uh, we... Uh, we'll also um, be hearing from a very interesting guest tonight, uh, Terrell, who will be introducing himself once he weighs in on the claim. And just to remind everybody of, of how the system works here, we'll start with that quote. We'll interpret the quote, what it means, maybe share some personal experiences, try to think of maybe how the kids might might uh, take to this. Or, you know, if you're an administrator, obviously, then how your your faculty might might engage with this, depending on who your audience is. Then we'll move to the counterclaim, push against that quote, get that critical thinking going, and share stories, share perspectives, share our own unique ways of looking at the world. And the key with the counterclaim, and we can say this now, is you got to believe it, right? You're going to want to believe the claim, but you're going to want to also believe the counterclaim. And that tension is the wellspring of a great conversation. That's what we always have to keep in mind. And then we'll end with a question, hopefully, that we we uh, generate here, um, Steve, uh, Terrell, or, or I, we think of during the, the, the show. And there we're modeling for all of you who use this in the classroom or with faculty that when you get a great conversation going, often it will motivate inquiry. And so you got to be ready for some really good questions from, from your audience. And we'll try to model that for, for everybody. So with that introduction, here we go. James Clear, American author, entrepreneur. I'm going to read his quote. Now, he, he adapted his quote off of another quote. So just give me some time here. James's quote is, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And this, he actually tweaked this from a Greek poet, Archilochus, who said something similar. We don't, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. It's very similar. Um, but the one we're going to do, and I'll read it one more time. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Terrell, welcome to the Teach Different podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your connection to education, and have at it with the claim. Gotcha. All right. So my name is Terrell Key, and I'm currently an assistant principal, former president of the Illinois School Council Association, um, current board member for the Illinois School Council Association, national trainer for the American School Council Association. I, I do a bunch of other things, right? And I'm also a YouTuber. I have a, a YouTube channel called The Key to Success. Um, but I chose this quote today because it really speaks to uh, the story of my life. You know, 
Um, there's been a lot of times where I had like a lot of ambition and dreams and things like that. But I realized over and over again, um, it, without systems in place, like you always end up doing the thing that seems simplest. Right. So, for example, um, whether it like you're an administrator or a school counselor or a teacher, not having a tight calendar or, you know, like with like reminders and things like that on there, you could you could tend to forget things. So I set multiple reminders. So I make I make the thing that is easiest for me to follow the schedule and get the things done that I need to do. Um, you know, even like when you you switch out systems for training, like with the Greek philosopher, philosopher, you know, I just think about like my time as an athlete and like I've been on good teams and I've been on bad teams. Uh, the the bad teams, like things still happen haphazardly. You might have a good game. You might be high. You might be low, you know, from day to day, you know. But with the good teams, like we consistently were good because we had a system in place that was so clear that we knew exactly what to do. Um, before we even came to practice, we we pretty much uh, practice pretty much ran itself for our, like our high school coach, track coach. He got sick. Like, he had a heart attack. And the athletes were able to run practice the way that he would because he had a system in place that we believed in that we fully understood. So whether he was there or not, it really didn't matter. Like we always uh, rose to the occasion because the system was already set in place for us to succeed. And it's the same way like that I coach. It's the same way uh, that I try to do everything. And then I, I know, um, you know, like now I'm striving to become a superintendent and to do all of these different things. So I have to build new systems. That are going to make it easy, you know, for me, like maybe not easy, that maybe that's a stretch, but it makes it easier for me to do the right thing, easier for me to be successful than it is for me to uh, to fall off the, uh, the mark. So basically having that system in place is what is going to matter the most in the end for success. You know, maybe I, I'm thinking of the claim here, right? It's like you can have all the goals you want. You can set your standards high. You can have grit. You can have perseverance, you know, but if you're in a system that's toxic and it is not like rewarding good behavior, it's not motivating people, the system's going to win. You know, that's what I'm feeling from this quote. It's I don't want to say it's a negative quote. Uh, it's more like a realistic quote. Mm -hmm. uh, I love your example of the coach not being there, but the, since the system was in place, you know, the, the, the athletes could have their goals and they, they would know what it is that they needed to do because of the system. You know, if there weren't a system set up, they might still be motivated to try to win and want to do what they needed to do, but they wouldn't know how to do it. And they would probably wouldn't have been successful again, you know, uh, justice to the system. So that's, yeah. that's kind of what I'm reading off. I, I like that. I like that. I would bring in a, a, a different, I like your analogy, Terrell. Another analogy you could bring in is a substitute teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been a sub, mm -hmm. you know, in five seconds, it, whether that class has an effective system mm -hmm. just by how the kids are reacting, what they know, what their expectations are. They've been clearly communicated with. They have, um, they have self-control, yada, yada, yada. It's all there. That's another maybe indication supporting this claim, I think. Yeah, I mean, just think about Charlotte Downington. So I'm an administrator now. And the way that we, like, you get the high score 
in a class is when the classroom is student-led, right? So it's when the students are functioning, when the students are the ones working. But how do you get there? The only way to get there is to have a solid system in place. Um, hate to use the sports analogy again, but like think about the Patriots, the Patriot way. You think about Alabama. Like, I mean, like, when, and it's the same thing in education. If you have a solid system, a well thought out system that you teach, like the behaviors, like you teach everything, like the behaviors it takes uh, in order to perform in that system, you teach all of those different things. And that's why, like, a lot of teachers, you know, like the first two weeks, you focus on procedures and relationships and um, and how to actually live up to the expectations of the classroom, especially at the elementary levels. I think it's just really important. And even when we're talking about PBIS or MTSS, like we're teaching behaviors, we're teaching a system, we're building a system, a systematic approach to education. Like we're indexing our supports, we're, you know, finding ways to, to create all, like a, a game plan for meeting all of the different needs for kids. And we're building a system. So like if we didn't have that system in place, it's far easier for you to have the kid that slips through the cracks. But like when you have a tier one uh, intervention that's uh, catching 80% of the students and then you have 15% carried by uh, covered by tier two and then uh, tier three, 5%, like you're more, you might not catch every kid, but you are more likely to catch uh, like as many kids as possible with a system in place than you are without it. You know, just trying to, you know, just, just throwing out a bunch of interventions without even checking anything. That's great. You, you, you go ahead, Dan. Yeah, no, I was I was going to make an analogy with this conversation method. I mean, you can say, yeah, have goals and having kids talk in class and support one another and create a positive learning environment. But unless you have a system for how to communicate and support one another consistently and predictably, it's not going to work. So really, this three part protocol is an embodiment of what this quote is saying with the claim. You got to have a system of how you interact. I had some kids, Terrell, last year who, when when we did this in class, now this is next level stuff, but they were so used to this method. I had kids leading the discussion. Mm -hmm. They would come in, the kids knew the drill. We go to claim, we go to counterclaim, we know how to interact. And so I was literally a participant. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing, uh, you know, as a school counselor when, or a, a therapist when you're running a group. Eventually, the group should run itself, but that's because you have the system in place uh, necessary for it to thrive and, you know, and work on its own without you, even if you weren't there. And I mean, in the book, like, I don't know, like, if you've seen the book, like Atomic Habits or whatever, but he literally talk, he's talking about very little habits. It's the little things that lead to success. Um, you know, like if you say, for example, if you want to be a neat person, putting that pen back in the pen holder every single time, like making it easier, like just building those little habits. That's what ultimately leads to success. It's the little things. Read the quote one more time, Dan. I had one thing to add. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And James Clear, he, he, he writes about this in his book, Atomic Habits, and he's, he's uh, building off of an Archilochus Greek poet quote. Right. So, the, I mean, uh, Terrell, you gave some examples within education. And then, Dan, you brought up, the, you know, the protocol, there's systems in place, right, to make people successful. If, if I was thinking about it even more broadly and you know, you think about like when some of these kids go home, 
depending on where they're going, you know, they they could be in situations and they are in situations where they can have ambition, they can have goals, they can have the right mindset, they can have grit and perseverance and all the things, all those qualities that we want kids to have to overcome difficult circumstances. But the bottom line, like reality check, is they're in, you know, a situation that is systematic. Mm-hmm. And you can't pretend like it's not. And and a lot of times it's not geared for their success. And they have to either leave it or become it or, you know, struggle in it or thrive in it some other way. But you can't you can't pretend that it doesn't exist. It's what determines whether or not you're going to be successful as much as anything you can want individually, your, your environment, that system. So I was thinking of it as outside of school as well. Yeah, I mean, and you could think about, you know, like the hood or like, you know, like some of these rural areas is like the casino, you know, like the house always wins. So you might be the one person that gets out, but consistently the system is going to ultimately win. Um, and I think that's why it's so rare for so, so like for people to to make it out of it because there's a system like you know like whether it's like the cycle cycle of poverty like in that way or it's like the parents like you know like the parent didn't have a parent so they don't know how to parent so then it becomes cyclical in that way um, sort of like a casino like you know like it is ultimately like things circle around and the house always wins. That's a great example. I love that analogy. Well, I don't want to get depressed, though. <laughs> Just when we start Let's agreeing go. with it, it's switch. time to disagree. I, I, I've got I've got some ideas back there. I want to hear from somebody else first, though. Like, what what is a good read the quote again, Dan? And we'll we'll get it. We'll try for a counterclaim. Terrell, if you want to hop in first, read that quote. You, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Yeah. So I would also say, um, like, you know, I saw another quote, um, and it's so true, too. I mean, this has been true in my life, too. Um, you have to do things that you aren't often prepared to do, you know, in life. That's, that's always, I mean, especially like an administration as a teacher. I mean, you might have a, a great lesson plan, like planned out. You might have spent hours, but you might have to pivot. Um, as an administrator, you might have the perfect day and the perfect system planned out of where you're going to be. You might have to pivot. You might have to step up in a leadership uh, role that you might not have felt prepared for. I mean, and that goes back all the way through history. There's been so many unlikely leaders and heroes in time, you know, that did not have systems in place that rose to the occasion. I mean, ultimately, you probably want to build a system around it, but you might not in many cases um, have a system in place yet before you're forced to be great. I love it. (laughs) That's really good. In certain situations, people are successful despite the system. That there is a overcoming of a toxic, debilitating system that individuals, by their free will, choose to be something better. And not to get too philosophical here, but that's where I think the counterclaim lives here. The counterclaim is more that that people's free will are the 
the most powerful force in the world. It's not about the determination. It's not about determinism. It's not about the systems determining our behavior. It's about our own free will determining our reality. And in certain cases, like you said, Terrell, people overcome bad systems. So there's a lot of evidence out there for it, depending on where you look. Right. I, I just think that's, you know, for the exceptional, you know, like the exceptional people play by different rules. Um, Jordan played by different rules than, you know, like, I don't know, like Joe Smo or whatever, like, you know, like there's different rules for different people. So like while this system might generally apply to a lot of people, but for exceptional people, a lot of times that they have to be great. They have to do like make the shot when the moment calls for it. Terrell, I know you can appreciate this because you already mentioned Plato's allegory of the cave, how, yeah. you know, you're familiar with it. I'm now thinking of this cave right now. Mm-hmm. And for 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 listeners who don't aren't familiar with it, it's basically a story that the Greek philosopher Plato tells that that talks about how all people, when they're born, he asks us to imagine that we're all born chained to a chair inside a cave and we're staring at a wall that has a bunch of shadows on it because there's a fire behind us and there's some puppets. And, you know, why? Because this is what we grow up into. This is what we think is real. Just the wall, just the shadows on the wall. We don't realize that there's actually a fire behind us. There's puppets. And we really don't realize we're in a cave. And there actually is an outside wilderness and a world out there that we're not even aware of. Okay, so think of the cave as the system, right? That's what we're born into. That's what limits us. That's what helps us determine what we should be thinking about, forming opinions about. But for whatever reason, and Plato says this, he says some people get forcibly drug out of the cave and they actually experience this outside world. Whereas most people don't. And, you know, for whatever reason, the, some people make it out. I was kind of, this is the, the, hopefully the connection here. Some people can make it out of a system. And, you know, as to what you do once you make it out of a system, you know, you hope that you'll go back and try to help some other people make it out. Although that's dicey, right? Because when you come back to the cave, nobody wants to leave. They don't believe what you're saying because all they know is the inside of the cave. But it's possible is the point. You can break from a system as an individual and you can achieve enlightenment. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, you know, like there are other exceptional people. Um, you know, just like you could win the mega millions lottery, you know, but <laughs> the system. That's right. The system. <laughs> the system's good. the lottery's gonna win over time but you You might win you might win right the lottery's not hurting right right. there's more where they came from i had to give up half of that anyway to the taxes a more Mm -hmm. dramatic analogy is with a cult Mm -hmm. if you think of a cult as a very destructive system there are individuals who for whatever reason are able to break that your allegory of the cave metaphor made me think of that, Steve, that some people can break from that 
and be and figure out that they're being manipulated and and move forward. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually like a very popular thing right now. This this entire conversation right now. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube and like people who are calling it like red pill or something like that. Basically, like saying that they broke away from the system and believe their own things. It's, it's just interesting how it. Like the matrix just always comes up over and over again. But really, like, isn't it? It's also kind of interesting how it really comes from like Descartes, too. You know what I mean? The cogito ergo sum. I think that's right, right? I think therefore I am. Like, if you yeah. took away everything, you remo- strip me away from everything, away from the system. I think therefore I am. And I, like, and that's more about like that free will. Like, I have thought, I have power, I have agency. So I could break away from this system if I, you know, because it's I. It's inspiring. Just, in, mm-hmm. in a way, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's good. That's Descartes. I, I, you bring, you're bringing me back. We were both philosophy majors, Terrell. So we're just. I took a few philosophy classes. Yeah, yeah, it's good, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I had a, kid, yeah. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You know, I had a, a observation as we're going through this really interesting conversation here. I think in schools we tend to lean on this idea that kids can achieve anything, that it's up to their own individual free will, that they're in the world alone and then they should achieve things individually. When, when you really read this quote, maybe we should be teaching kids to be more aware that building, that being a part of a larger healthy system is a more healthy way to run your life that it's not just about your individual talents and abilities i I don't know i think sometimes we we might be teaching the wrong values yeah i think i think we we value um success more than we value like the grind and you know like conversely like the grind and building up the system and learning how to learn um i think learning is a is a skill like you know it's not necessarily something that everyone's just innately born with a lot of times you have parents you know like in a lot of great families that teach their kids how to learn like we teach my son how to learn how to read how to do those different things these are skills that he's being taught so when he goes to school it's not like he has to struggle yeah interesting i uh i was thinking about from the eyes of a student really quick how they would understand the word system and Terrell, sometimes we talk about doing this when you throw the quote up in front of the kids, when they first see it, it's not a bad idea to circle a couple words at the outset. And in this quote, it's obvious the word system, you could circle that one and, and ask people to really hone in on what, what is a system? Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what does it mean? It, you know, what's an environment? Um, and maybe the kids would make connections between, just throwing this out, peer groups, mm-hmm. pecking orders with friends. Mm-hmm. Classrooms. Classrooms. Yeah. When you start doing that, then you start, um, you, you can get into maybe issues like peer pressure. Like what happens when you want to do something different than this little group that you know is doing something wrong, you know, you see the system is mm-hmm. toxic. Okay. You, you see the problem, but how do you act? Like, can you get out of that situation on your own or do you have to find a new friend group, you know, a new system? I'm just kind of, I don't know. I'm not clear on what a good prompt would be, but getting the kids to think about it in that way. 
Yeah, I guess uh, James Clear's answer for that would be like, you're going to do whatever's easiest, you know, unless you create a system of your own in order to work your way out of the peer pressure to make it easier. Maybe that's taking a different route or whatever. Like in his book, he literally like he talks about that, like you have to make the best choice, the easiest choice over and over again, or ultimately you're going to go with the easiest one. Human nature. I, I agree with that. Mm hmm. There was another uh, philosopher, I, man, I can't remember exactly who it was, but he was talking about um, free will, right? And he was saying like that there really aren't many options. Like, you know, like say, for example, if I offered you an orange or I offered you $100, which one would you choose? And life is just a series, like a collection of those different things. And it, it, it's sort of like that here. Like if it's not the easiest, the most rewarding thing for you to do, then ultimately you're going to veer in the path of whatever is easiest. And it might be hard at first when you make the switch, mm -hmm. but you better figure out how to make it fun for yourself and better see the value in it because you're not going to keep doing the hard thing. No. No, 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 no. It's not going to work that well. Yeah. And also I, I think that, our society doesn't maybe doesn't appreciate systems as much as it appreciates individual uh, success. You know, it's maybe it's harder to see the value of systems than it is to see an individual who succeeds in a certain way. I don't know. I'm just looking at this in, in, in different ways. I think the family structure is a system, you know, like the, the two parent, family structure is a system. I mean, there are kids that ultimately make it without it. You know, um, I'm one of them. But ultimately, like that system is going to more likely put out like the healthiest, safest, uh, most academically inclined student more consistently, not every time, but more consistently than not. And I mean, that's, you know, like it might feel like individualism, but I'm just thinking about even when I bought my first house, like they asked me um, if I could ask a parent for like a $40,000 down payment. I couldn't do that. Like I didn't have the systems in place. Hopefully my son will be able to do that one day. You know what I mean? And I will be able to give him that hand. Uh, like not really a handout, but like just, you know, invest in him and invest in his family in that way. Um, you know, because we have a system in place that's working right now. Does anybody have a question that's come to mind during this conversation? Terrell, anything? Um, I'm just really thinking about, you know, like outcomes, you know, um, and just thinking like, how can, you know, in districts that have like a high rate of poverty, um, a high, higher rate of mobility of, uh, you know, maybe not even like a lower rate of like married households. How do we create systems that make it easier for children to continuously come out and be successful? Wonderful. How do we create systems? What do they look like? You know, is there a, is there a formula? Um, yeah. Because if the system is healthy, the human beings, there's more of an allowance for imperfection of the human beings if the system itself is healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to toot the horn of teach different and say this. As from a school perspective, if you're challenging students to participate in authentic 
conversations where they have a voice and they're learning how to critically think and they're getting multiple perspectives and you know they're expressing themselves and they're hearing other people do that as well i feel that that system will make people will will increase the likelihood of success for individuals and even if individuals leave school and get into bad systems having that experience already under your belt maybe they can be the change agents you know because if you've never experienced you know that 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 healthy environment then it's hard to change systems that aren't good and you'll go through your life just thinking like oh this is how it is you know so i'll just throw that out as as something that i think schools can do yeah i would i would say in society today um we a lot of us could probably use the method because people get so attached to an idea or a perspective that might even be forced on them by the news or the media or whatever but we're like almost like incapable of seeing like the other perspective, like humanizing the other perspective, uh, removing the anger towards the perspective and actually arguing that point. I saw someone um, say, if you, if you're not capable of arguing vigorously, the opposite point, opposite viewpoint, then you have not earned an opinion yet. Attorneys would love that. That's what they do. That, that I mean, seriously, like, you know, people who are arguing cases, you have to argue the opposite in order to be effective. You have to believe in it. Yeah, that I love that. You haven't earned your opinion yet if you can't disagree with it. And I really think that once you develop that critical thinking and that ability to see the world from another perspective, I tend to think you can't go back. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you will never go back to siloed thinking. Mm-hmm. And we are now in a society, as you just said, Terrell, we are, we're struggling with thinking in, in these broad multi-perspective ways. And it's having an impact on our politics, our schools and everything. And so th- this is a system of conversation like this. This is why it's so, so darn important to have something like this in place. Yeah, I don't even think we could have discussions anymore. I remember, um, so I, I can't say I remember because I wasn't born yet, but I remember well, like watching videos from people in the 60s and they would have like these like intense discussions, like but respectful discussions uh, with totally opposite viewpoints. And the audience will walk away with something like a, a general level of understanding of both sides. And today, like, it just seems like there's just a lot of, like, yelling. And I think part of it is because, like, the 24-hour news cycle where they're constantly, like, pumping a viewpoint at you all day long. And people are so sure of what they believe in without even taking any look at all, doing any research, any thought into the counterclimbs. That's the shadows on the wall. They're just loving the shadows. There ain't anything else. They don't want to even think of it. Because that is uncertainty, that is potentially failure, you know, 
And I agree with you, Dan, that once you change and you see more, a la once you leave the cave, there is no going back. You're never going to go back and be a prisoner. You could go back and try to bring some people out, get real frustrated, you know, and get your eyes reacquainted with all the opinions that people have and, you know, the way people are. But you, you'll never go back. Yeah, well said. So I liked your question, Terrell. It was how do we create systems to increase the likelihood of, of people succeeding. I, I just butchered it, but we, we got it on recording. <laughs> yeah. we'll, write, we'll write it down. Or if you remember, you can email it to me. <laughs> For sure. Uh, well, this, this has been really good. I, I think we touched on some really important uh, issues here beyond just James Clear's quote. I think we're getting into some much larger issues of our society that, that are pretty darn important. And I'm going to read the quote again, just to leave it with us. Uh, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Okay. Well, Terrell, thank you so much for, for being here. Um, you had just great insights and we really appreciate um, your input into this method and into our community and into all of the listeners who are going to be beneficiaries of your you're thinking. I mean, it's got to start somewhere, right? We're modeling it for everybody else. And, and the more we do it, the better. So thank you so much for being here. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We hope you're walking away feeling energized by some great ideas and have a sense of confidence that you too can master the art and science of conversations to make a lasting impact. We at Teach Different are dedicated to supporting you along that journey. Please visit teachdifferent.com to join the community of educators for additional resources and engaging discussion among fellow teachers and administrators, free for 30 days. We'll see you there and next time on the Teach Different podcast. Take care.